The modern Democratic Party is, for those of us who wish to delineate evil, I said many, many years ago in a speech I gave in New Hampshire, that once evil is identified, then it is easy to fight and to reject. We have a natural revulsion towards clearly identified evil, which is why evil tends to be so manipulative and to hide itself, to cloak itself in virtue. And so as evil, as immorality, as corruption becomes more and more visible, then it is easier for people to reject. And really, outside of outright civil war, it is the only chance that the West has of a peaceful resolution to these increasing social conflicts. And the Democrats in the United States are, of course, doing just about everything they can to make the true nature of their leadership and their ideology as visible as humanly possible. It's like going to see a fireworks show by holding the fireworks directly at your eyeball and then wondering why you see a lot of fireworks while I guess kind of briefly. So the DNC deputy chair, Keith Ellison, seems to have endorsed Antifa. So what he did was, I guess he was in a bookstore or something, and he tweeted an image of an Antifa book in order to, and I quote, strike fear in the heart of, end quote, Trump. And this, you know, seems to be an apparent endorsement of Antifa. Now, this is a group, Antifa, that is formally anti-fascist and so on, right? It's the name. A group, it's formally classified by the U.S. federal government as a domestic terror organization. And this guy's holding up the the books and basically seeming to say, sounds great. This is going to really help us in our fight against Trump. And the fact that this guy, very high up muckety-muck in the uh, DNC, is expressing support for a group whose activities have been classified, formally classified by the Department of Homeland Security as domestic terrorism, is quite telling. And if you have the head of a political party or someone high up in a political party organization empathizing or sympathizing with a group that's been termed a terrorist organization, and which, of course, has been a violent and aggressive group, even more so in Europe than in America, uh, that is revealing. So the question is, like, once that is out there, who remains supporting of this kind of group? Who remains supportive of the DNC? Well, that's very interesting, and it's very clarifying, very revealing, because, you see, as hierarchical evil is revealed, then those who support and endorse that evil are revealed. So this guy, if he's appearing to endorse and support Antifa, well, Antifa is a very violent group. Therefore, he is supporting a violent group. And therefore, because he is now visibly appearing to endorse a violent group, then all who support him and his organization are also themselves kind of, you know, like salmon in a swift running current of human blood. They are all falling in line and all are completely revealed. To anybody with half an eyeball, their true nature is completely revealed. So there have been recent FBI, this is from InfoWars, recent FBI and DHS reports confirming that they are monitoring, and I quote, conduct deemed potentially suspicious and indicative of terrorist activity, end quote, by Antifa groups. And the Department of Homeland Security in New Jersey officially lists Antifa as a domestic terror organization on its website. Recently revealed FBI field reports uh, have revealed that uh, Antifa support supporters 
have stored improvised explosives on campuses at college and members of Antifa have also met with Islamic terrorists to obtain weapons and training. Now, the New York Times, not too surprising. The the New York Times currently seeming to be running um, a lot of government propaganda from the theocracy, the brutal theocracy in Iran, and also has a history of supporting communist uh, terrorists and so on. And of course, are, it's funny because North Korea, of course, started as a communist country, and therefore a lot of people on the left still have a pretty soft spot for North Korea and therefore are shocked and appalled that uh, Trump is uh, getting some fairly decent results by taking fairly firm tactics with the North Korean leader. The New York Times back in the day, in the 30s, Walter Durante received uh, Pulitzer Prizes, I think it was, for his reporting on how wonderful things were going in Stalinist Russia. And there was whole trains of uh, Western intellectuals who were taken on these Potemkin village tours of communist Russia, where they took all of these people from the Gulag, fed them up, and then basically told them, be happy or you're dead. And uh, there was just a show village. It was all nonsense. uh, And they all fell for it hook, line and sinker because they desperately wanted communism uh, to work. Our selected, if you want to check out my presentation on gene wars, it explains it fairly well. So the New York Times recently ran a piece about Antifa, and it was entitled, What to Wear to Smash the State. And they don't mean smash the state. What they mean, of course, if they're leftist anarchists, is they mean uh, what to wear to oppose any growing liberties that might reveal how helpful capitalism is to the poor and to minorities. So for those of us who saw the Dow just today broke 25K, for those of us who saw that it was pretty obvious and one of the easiest predictions to make in the history of mankind that an experienced, competent businessman, that the market would respond better to such a man, to an experienced, competent businessman than they would to Obama, the leftist academic ideologue who was a community organizer and never ran a damn business in his whole life, but then had the massive vanity and narcissism to believe that he'd never run a business, but boy, he sure could run an entire complex economy because that's just the kind of guy he was. And so markets were skittish and markets were scared and didn't know what was coming next. And Trump is restoring some sanity. And there are now 40 companies or more that have given out uh, bonuses and charitable donations because of the reduction in corporate tax rate, exactly as I have been arguing for these many years, that when you reduce corporate taxes, uh, you end up with more money in the pockets of employees uh, and more money in the pockets of charities, as it turns out. So, yeah, will I get credit for this stuff? Well, the people who know, know, and the people who don't want to know will never want to know. So what's amazing about this, this is a really unexpected win in a time, or a week, of course, of, of crazy turmoil on the right. It is a fantastic win because what it does is when you have this guy very high up in the DNC appearing to endorse a terrorist organization, well, it means that this is who supports him. Right? Who supports him? Well, the DNC, I don't know, the guy's not been fired. They haven't disavowed. They haven't distanced themselves. They haven't said, my God, no, that's crazy. This is a terrorist organization. We want this guy should be fired. And then we got to figure out how on earth he ended up in that position and why nobody noticed that he was going to end up doing this. No, there hasn't been any of that, to my knowledge. So what it means is that the DNC's corruption is clear and this guy's support of a, a formally designated terrorist organization is clear. Therefore, anybody who still supports the DNC, who still supports this entire corrupt organization, their nature is clear. And finally, I hope we can get 
to a place where we can very clearly see what the hell is going on. People want free stuff, and the Democrats have been providing free stuff to people for the last 50 or 60 years. It has become a very dangerous and volatile addiction to free stuff. If you look at the South, what did the South have? Well, they had slavery, which was free labor, so to speak, certainly cheaper uh, in the short run than uh, hired labor. And so they had free stuff. And that dangerous addiction to free stuff had uh, some causal elements in leading to a civil war. Getting people addicted to free stuff weakens them. It makes them dependent. It makes them manipulative. It makes them scared fundamentally. If you don't have the means to maintain your own existence, you become a very fearful and aggressive person. And so now that the Dow's past 25K, that uh, unemployment is historically low, that blacks and Hispanics are doing wonderfully well under Trump relative to Obama, despite the fact that people who supported Trump were all called racists, is so boring, so predictable. What is a racist? A racist is someone who just won an argument with a leftist. And so now that the empirical evidence of the disasters that was expected out of the Trump administration, right? You've got pundits saying, oh, I'm selling everything uh, in the stock market because it's going to be a disaster. And you have all of these uh, mainstream media people saying, oh, the stock market's going to be a disaster and Bitcoin's a disaster and don't buy Bitcoin. And, well, this how many untold hundreds of millions of dollars have been lost because people listen to the fear-mongering of the mainstream media? Well, fake news robs people. I mean, bad information robs people. So the next thing that you can expect, and we can see rumblings of this starting already, is Trump is crazy. Trump is mentally incompetent. Trump is insane. And that's going to be the next thing. Because what happens to the left when empirical evidence overcomes their relentless propaganda is they escalate their rhetoric to the point of uh, extreme danger to culture and society. So in a sense, winning is losing. It's just important to be aware of that. There are people on the left who will reevaluate their positions based upon this new information, that you've got this muckety-muck in the DNC appearing to support a terrorist organization, that the economy is doing very well, that uh, minorities are doing very well, uh, unemployment uh, is, is down, and, and uh, you've got corporations handing out money like uh, a late-to-the-game Santa Claus. There will be people on the left who are going to reevaluate their ideology based upon this empirical information, and kudos to them. It's a tough thing to do. I've had to do it several times. It can be really tough to reevaluate your basic ideology, and we welcome those people to the realm of reality and reason and empirical evidence. And when evidence mounts against your hypotheses, you need to re-evaluate, of course. This is basic science, and certainly it is philosophy. To those, uh, I bid a fond welcome. Now, to the others, to those who are so fearful of reality and so fearful of independence and who've become so slavishly dependent on the free goodies printed and borrowed and manufactured and stolen by the state. Well, there is going to be an escalation because those people do not believe anymore deep down in their heart of heartlessness that they have the capacity to survive in the market, that they have the capacity to provide any value other than whining, nagging, rage, and voting for free stuff. And to those people, I say, you're stronger than you think. I guarantee you, you're stronger than you think. This fear that you have that if you don't get as much free stuff and you actually have to go out and work, that this is going to be a disaster for you, it's not. It's really not going to be. It is going to make you happier. It is not the return of reality that you fear fundamentally. It is the continuation of dependence. And it is impossible to have fundamental self-esteem and to be a good example to your children, a good example to your community, and a good example to yourself. It is tough to look in the mirror 
and see a straight-spined, virtuous, independent, good individual when you are a rage-filled parasite on the coercive power of the state. And what you fear, what you fear, the fear of, of independence, the fear of not getting free stuff, it feels like a kind of death, which makes you want to fight to the death. And like a cornered animal, you will become volatile and dangerous. But it is not death that approaches. It is life. It is a window out of the dungeon of dependence and into the sunlit fields of independence and adding value and community. And I strongly suggest that you face that fear, face down that fear, grab your courage, ascend the stairs, and join us out here in the sunlight. I know it's scary, but it is a beautiful place to be. Stefan Molyneux, thank you so much for watching and for listening.